future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. It is Monday, July 25th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards, from across the country. And yes, we thought that they were going to get a little rain today, uh, but no. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Well, you can join us at the end of the week, too, for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. Amy Connect will be joining me once again as my awesome co-host this Friday. You can also check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief at the Bucks County Beacon. He joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. And you can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean's iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can help support this show becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also support, support the show right now by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash the subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. You can join our Discord server. Information on that is in tonight's show notes. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams, he's there. Head on over to therigsmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you got to check out, if you haven't already, the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And you know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For all you gamers out there, yep, the Game In. That's with two N's. The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops they do. And look, when the school's in session, kids get discounts when they get A's in the report card. Can't beat that. Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at the Game In with two N's. That's the Game In on Twitter. If you've got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Dayman. That's at Song of Dayman on Twitter. And look, don't let Paul Martino and his billionaire friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Now, Raging Chicken has teamed up with Levelfield.net to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, support local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmask the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at RagingChicken.Levelfield.net. That's RagingChicken.Levelfield.net. Um, quick uh, show notes. Um, next week, we're going to be off again. Um, I'm going up to see my folks up in New York. 
very, very excited about that. Um, one last hurrah to keep the summer going. Um, but uh, we'll be back the following week. A reminder that we will be here on Wednesday. Cyril and I will be back uh, probably around 11 o'clock. Um, Cyril and I are, you know, we're, we're getting together this week, right? We finally got our schedules working. And Amy Connect um, will be back once again on Friday. Um, some quick Twitter shout outs if I can find my paper. For all the folks there retweeting and kind of letting everybody know about tonight's show, Melza B, Jenny Stevens, Kirsten Zolfo, Starry-Eyed, Kathleen Sage, Venting, Pink Lady A, Give Her the Gavel, Dr. Jess, New York City, NYC, Outlaw Josie Wells, Cyril Michaleko, Debbie Feeney, When There Are 15, Susan Morrow, and Beth Sini. Thank you, thank you for getting the word out and for all the retweets to all our Twitter warriors that are out there. So on tonight's show... Let's get to it. I welcome Alyssa Bowen back to the program. Alyssa is a senior researcher and managing editor at the progressive watchdog organization, True North Research. Tonight, our focus turns to right-wing dark money that is funding the anti-abortion movement's push to take over state legislators, legislatures, sorry, and deepen the devastation wrought by the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Alyssa received her PhD in history from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in 2021 with an interest in fascism and anti-fascism, solidarity and social movements, immigration, exile, and transnational history. She has bylines in The Nation and in Truthout where she's a regular contributor. More of her public writing can be found on TNR's website and her Substack. And tonight we're gonna to be really digging in specifically focus on a couple of uh, pieces that Alyssa has recently co-authored for Truth Out. One, dark money fuels the anti-abortion movement's push to control state legislatures. And right wing, dark money is coming for reproductive rights in your state. Links to both articles are in today's show notes as is links to True North Research. That's truenorthresearch.org. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be back. Uh, it's great to have you back. And I got to say, um, I'm hoping that there's going to be uh, a day when I can have you on the show when uh, we don't have devastating research um, and devastating <laughs> uh, politics that are happening all over the country. So I appreciate I being here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, um, OK, so one shout out to Emily, Amy and Anna. Welcome to the show. Um, great, great having you here. Um, so, Alyssa, you know, one, obviously, what we're seeing in um, our politics, our political cultures in our country today, right, um, is uh, what I would say is almost like a full, full throttled, kind of full steam ahead um, kind of assault by the extreme right wing, um, where it seems like the, the Roe v. Wade decision was just a kind of like, OK, all gloves are off moment. Um, is that kind of where you'd see um, things are right now, or how would you characterize where we're at? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this, but I think this is this has been in the making for decades and, uh, you know, ramped up with Citizens United, given the lack of uh, public disclosure uh, laws. And I, but I do think right now at this moment, um, they've, They've worked for decades to get Roe v. Wade overturned, and now they're they've already set their sights on loftier goals, you know, like mm, banning contraception and um, looking. You know, if you look at uh, Justice uh, Thomas's concurring opinion in the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe, you know, he might also he's saying that the right to privacy that undergirded Dobbs should also be challenged in cases that protect 
gay marriage, gay relationships, contraception, and even, um, he didn't mention this one, but the right to privacy also protects interracial marriage. So um, yeah, these are, this is sort of just the beginning, unfortunately. Yeah, and what we saw, I mean, this is just, this just came out yesterday. Um, this was from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? She made, I don't know if you saw this, but she made the statement that the primary, like the Republican Party's primary focus this year should be on making the political, making the political party one of Christian nationalism. Said Green, quote, we need the party, we need to be the party of nationalism, and I'm a Christian, and I say it proudly, we should be Christian nationalists. So there's, I mean, this is like, for me, one of these all, you know, gloves off moment. They're not worried about, you know, do they need to hide behind everything? They've got what they want. They think they've got what there's in place. And here we go. So Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, I did see that. I don't think, um, you know, already Christian nationalists have a lot of power and are seeking more, increasingly more power. Um, and, you know, they say under the, they use the guise of, we talked about this last time of originalism in their, you know, right. this fake theory, right-wing theory um, to pretend like the, their justices have the moral high ground when in actuality, if they, you know, they're supposed to be caring about what the founding fathers wanted, <laughs> founding fathers. Um, but, but that, I mean, in reality, the founding fathers like believed in freedom of religion and didn't, you know, want a society, you know, we don't need to base our society based on what these men want. But even if we are going by their metrics, like it's absurd and so contradictory. Right. And it would seem that, you know, if we're looking at like, who does Samuel Alito consider as the founding fathers? And apparently it's the people who burn witches. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, right. <laughs> so that's his family tree. So um, so now before this, uh, anybody should worry that this is going to be necessarily all kind of doom and gloom, although obviously we're all living a lot of doom and gloom. One thing that struck me at um, one of the things that that you all say, and this is kind of was written with, uh, you know, um, your co-authors, Evan Vorpal and Julia Peck. Um, at the end of the one piece, right wing dark money is coming for your reproductive rights of your state, which that one was kind of came out at the beginning of June before the decision had come down. One of the things that um, you conclude with in that piece is the silver lining is that the expected fall of Roe has pulled back the veil on the anti-democratic forces trying to reshape the judiciary and has illustrated the power of often overlooked state offices. Alito's gambit to let the states decide may prove to be the spark for a stronger movement against the corruption of dark money and for more democratic political system that will protect against assaults on reproductive justice and fundamental freedoms in all 50 states. Um, and I thought that was a, a, a really, it wasn't just that, what I liked about that conclusion of that piece is it wasn't simply just like, hey, hopefully something good will happen. But it does seem to be the fact that organizing is actually happening at the state level. And before, before we dive into some of the specifics of these articles, is it your sense that right now going forward for the next several years that the, the really the states are where the battles are going to be like everything from you know what we're talking here about reproductive rights obviously right um but also when it comes to say gay rights democratic rights for that matter that we're going to be really kind of a state-by-state -state battles here is that kind of your assessment of things yeah i mean there's for sure still room for obviously fighting back at the federal level. I mean, um, Senator Whitehouse introduced the Disclose Act last week, which will help, well, you know, if passed would, would help protect uh, and broaden uh, financial disclosure. Uh, and that would be a good step forward. Um, but as we've seen, the Supreme Court is sadly captured by this far right 
this far right kind of contingent uh, on the Supreme Court. And we already see some of the inklings of what's going to come out. You know, if you thought this year was bad, like wait till next year kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so, for so, two. yeah, exactly. We already know that they're going to maybe, um, you know, hurt state based elections by um, by kind of like revisiting the ability of the courts to uh, fix any kind of extreme gerrymandering situation in the states. Um, so, so, and we saw, you know, there were so many issues they took up and chose to take up this, uh, term that were devastating, you know, abortion, on abortion, on ability to regulate the climate, all these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, they're, they're saying, this is what we are, one of the things we're arguing against in our, in our pieces is that there's this right-wing narrative that the state, it's more democratic to go to the states, like, don't worry, Roe might have gotten overturned, but in the states, it'll be even more democratic, you could have a local discussion and debate, and, you know, it'll all come out in the wash. Well, it's, to answer your question, yes, like, the battles, I think, will be a lot in the states, because we're, they haven't yet captured most state officials and courts. So, and they've made major movements to do that sort of before Roe uh, was overturned, and they've created this infrastructure that, that we can talk about, but um, but there is room for fighting back. And this, this, for example, the state supreme courts are actually kind of a bastion of democracy, and they really have, even in far far right state or you know, in, in solidly red states, they've been fighting, um, or, or they've been kind of like a bastion of democracy, protecting um, many people's rights and freedoms. Well, excellent. And this is, you know, one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on, especially reading these pieces, is because I've and I think I said a version of this on the show when you were on last time, is that this kind of knowledge and kind of being able to track these organizations and kind of understanding that infrastructure are really tools for struggle. I mean, they're ways of kind of understanding what the terrain is um, to better prepare us, um, you know, to think about how we fight back and actually, you know, to inoculate us against some of these arguments about, well, you know, don't you want your local representative to have more say and to have you know more direct democracy and to understand that those things are just they're it's just flack being thrown out there so that we are we're distracted from what the agenda is. So uh, one of the things that that struck me is that you um, lead this this piece dark money fuels the anti-abortion movement's push to control uh, control state legislators. Um, you lead this piece off um, with a discussion of students for life. Um, as an organization. And I thought that might be a good place to really start to dig in to see what this infrastructure looks like on the right um, and who these folks are. So can you kind of um, give us that little introduction of who Students for Life are, and then we can start to broaden that out to see where their funding comes from and what their impact looks like? Sure, yeah. So Students for Life uh, started out originally as as mostly like supposed to be uh, Sort of a, they call it astroturf organization, you know, organization pretending to be grassroots, but funded by a few ultra wealthy uh, individuals or corporations. Um, and so they they've been around for a while, but they were at least until very recently looking at at least college campuses, you know, doing advocacy around college campuses, recruiting that kind of thing. Uh, recently, they've become much broader. They've become much larger. Uh, they've created a 501c4 arm, which is an advocacy arm that allows them to do way more lobbying and like direct political activity. Um, and uh, yeah, they they have been 
a leading voice and have perhaps become the leading anti-abortion sort of uh, think tank, if you want to call it that, um, mm-hmm. and um, sort of organization dedicated to promoting these really harmful uh, lies, really, about abortion. So and this and you mentioned one of the examples of that is they have some polling research that they kind of came up with and they said, hey, look, most Americans basically kind of agree with us. Right. Most Americans want to get rid of abortion, which was, I mean, completely from my read, at least right, completely miss, if not disinformation. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this has now been covered in the news. But they um, yeah, they put out this poll. They paid for the result poll, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to have it done. And then just in it comes out and they publicly sort of misrepresent or at least like cherry pick the data. And this is something I think we talked about a bit on the last time, the last time I was on, but they, these groups often do this, you know, unlike political scientists or academics who really are genuinely dedicated to looking at the evidence, you know, balancing it with like existing um, literature or whatever, you know, existing knowledge, these groups just want to promote their one agenda item and and this you know this group's agenda item is banning abortion at every level essentially except they've said that they would give uh exception for if a if a person's life is in danger who's carrying the pregnancy but but not for like rape or incest victims um and they um yeah they they misrepresent this data um just to like further this goal. And it's something that a lot of these dark money groups do is that they find one way, like, you know, for example, I I can't think of the exact like data point, but uh, the independent women's forum, another dark money group funded by Leonard Leo uh, has, um, or a a Leonard Leo group, excuse me, um, has uh, in talking about student debt, for example, said that, uh, oh, something distorted, like one, the the top two fifths of, you know, debt holders are in the top, in the top 80%. So they just like pick a specific group to distort the actual narrative and suggest that something is, is like popular or beneficial when it's actually detrimental and completely unpopular. Gotta love that. So you said, well, here we go with, uh, you just said like a poll like this, that in order to run that poll it was about a hundred, you know, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to kind of get this thing done. So this, it's not like these are just what people might think, just some, some students who kind of are getting together to kind of like express their opinions, but rather they've got some deep pockets. You've already met, mentioned Leonard Leo here and this kind of system of networks, right? That is kind of has fund has been a part of funding, not just kind of organizations just like Students for Life, but across the board. So if we were to pull the veil back a little bit um, on the public facing PR wings of these things, what do we start to see in terms of where this money is coming from and uh, what their agendas seem to be? Yeah, absolutely. So um, your listeners might have heard of Leonard Leo. He's been in the news more recently. Um, Prior to, say, 2018, he was uh, very much in the shadows. But he, Leonard Leo, is um, sits on the board, or at least until very recently, I sat on the board of Students for Life, um, and he is uh, this far right lawyer, Federalist Society fundraiser, has been called Trump's judge whisperer because he st- sort of temporarily stepped down to be an unpaid advisor to Trump, um, 
and that way he didn't have to like disclose any of his financials because he wasn't like a <laughs> he wasn't an official uh counsel um but he leo hand selected the list of potential scotus nominees from which trump chose three you know because trump yeah was able to to get amy coney barrett brett kavanaugh and neil gorsuch um in those seats um and Leonard Leo manages a massive network that by True North Research tally has raised almost $600 million since 2014. Um, since 2014. Since 2014. Yep. Um, so it's it's massive. And uh, the groups include uh, a lot of groups that we're going to talk about, I think, but um, Republican State Leadership Committee, which RSLC, which has gotten um, more than six million from this network between 2012 and 2020, and they are kind of the main organization funneling money into states, into into the state policy, into state level politics. Um, and then uh, RAGA is it's you know, uh, Republican Attorney General Association is um, used to be part of. RSLC, but became separate, um, and is also um, its largest contributor is the Concord Concord Fund slash Judicial Crisis Network, which is um, Leonard's perhaps like biggest ne- biggest organization within his network. Um, and so these and these groups have been like so important in in dominating uh, and, and getting uh, right wing control over state politics. So you have just so we're painting the picture for everybody. You got Leonard Leo sitting at the top. Yeah. Right. And he's been affiliated with the Federal Society for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Federal Society, of course, is, you know, the you know, it's your punch card. Right. It's your dance card, basically, to get um, the potential nod to become a Supreme Court justice. Right. It's they have an entire network of basically recruiting. Um, one could say grooming their own kind of conservative candidates. I'm sorry I had to go there. Um, but, you know, to bring them along as they start law school through this conservative network um, and and it's a networking and well-funded organization with an agenda, right, is to turn the courts more to the right. And I think you mentioned in this piece, too, that's what they understood right from the get-go, right? They had lost the culture war so that they were going to have to go and dig in long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of uh, Leo's lead guys uh, said that directly. And um yeah, Federalist Society, as you said, I mean, it, it hosts sort of recruitment events at every and has chapters in a, almost every major university in the country. Um, they they lure them with their, you know, free food and get all Cocktail these for students. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, so then, and they, um, yeah, they, they play a large role in um, promoting this idea that I talked about earlier of originalism, which is like a, this right wing idea that... Um, you know, the uh, uh, the founding father, the people who wrote the Constitution and amended the Constitution, um, you know, landed white elite men um, should uh, be able, they should be able to, like, interpret what those men intended somehow, even though, like, our society has changed lots in, you know, over 200 years. Like uh, women can vote now. Right, you know, exactly. That, right? Those small little details, yeah. Just, um, so, so uh, yeah, they... You know, like I mentioned in the last episode I came on, they, they, uh, this idea even was based in um, racially segregated schools, like protecting racially segregated schools. So it, in, in itself, it's like a very harmful ideology. Um, but yeah, so, so this is the Federal Society's main goal is to make every, is to, to 
promote judges into important positions and justices, put justices in power who, um, who adhere to this fake ideology that they created. Right. And so and then they have this whole network that supports that ideology that they created. Right. So mm-hmm. you've got Leonard Leo, you've got the Federal Society and now you got the, and he under the Federal Society or under the Judicial Crisis Network, you have a range of other funds, basically, or organizations that are primarily funded by Leonard Leo, which then goes on to fund these other organizations to push um, legislation stuff. Am I getting that kind of right? So Leonard Leo isn't the fund, the fund, he's the fundraiser. He's the, fundraiser. the man, the, the sort of puppet master, but he's not the person that, that, as far as we know, that's doing the funding. He gets lots of money to puppeteer, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't fund this himself. That's part of what's most disturbing about this is we are unsure. It's at, mo- you know, at most several people funding this operation, but more than likely one single person who is funding this entire operation. Um, and that's terrifying, you know, because that has implications for, um, you know, it, it, it makes it so that the ultra wealthy have disproportionate say in how our society and how our democracy or lack thereof runs. Um, and people don't want their elected and unelected officials to be doing the bidding of corporate and billionaire interests. Um, actually, a majority of Americans, uh, regardless of political affiliation, polls show want strong public disclosure laws so they can see who's pulling the strings behind right. this. But without public disclosure, we have no idea who is funding uh, or we have a very little idea of who is funding um, this massive network. So Leonard Leo is just basically going around raising a bunch of money um, for these kind of organizations. And you say, what, I'm okay, you said RAGA, right? And then what the other, the Republican State Legislative Committee, that, mm-hmm. is that the other one, right? Yep. These are two of the main, of the main funders that are working at the state level now? Yeah, these are the two, these are two of the major organizations um, that are sort of the, the architecture for uh, pushing right-wing agendas at the state level yeah so if i'm just a person who like you know is in a state like i'm in pennsylvania and i want to kind of find out kind of like what these people are funding can i even get to that information or find out like where that money's coming from or what their agendas are or is it just kind of showing up in people's pockets and then going from there um so that's complicated. And I, I wish Evan, I my, my <laughs> colleague, was here um, to help me because he's actually more of uh, the expert in this type of thing. But um, I believe these are 527 organizations. So they, I think you can, the donors are publicly reported, but because of weak disclosure laws, um, they are reported, I believe, like uh, not as badly as. 501c3 and 4 organizations, which are two years behind, but I think they're still slightly delayed, so you can't figure it out immediately. They also have this, um, their their MO is sort of to fund things at the last minute. So you, um, you know, for state courts, for example, usually they wait until the week before a state election. A state. I found that was crazy. Yeah. And then they funnel millions of dollars in, or at least, you know, over a million dollars in, which in terms of state elections is, you know, a bomb. Yeah. And I love, I, I mean, just what you just said there. So people kind of really get this is they actually wait was uh, from your, uh, from what the art, what you were saying in the article, basically 
like basically the day after the there's the kind of the financial disclosure deadline hits. So all the financial disclosures go out, right? The reports go in and it's like the next day you got these folks showing up with tons of cash, usually very close to the election and dumping a ton of money, like millions and millions of dollars into promoting their candidates or kind of running this kind of, you know, um, kind of negative campaigning kind of up to the up to the election. Right. And so and you can't there's no time to respond to something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's terrifying because there there's so many levels that they're doing this at. I, even if you just look at state Supreme Courts, like every every process is different, you know, at the state level. So um, but there's various ways that they're attacking the state courts and they do that through um, uh, like trying to change to make elections for the Supreme Court's partisan, for example. So uh, in in deep red states, they will uh, it, there are some states where you don't have to write Republican or Democrat next to the name of a judge, which kind of makes sense. But given that courts are supposed to be nonpartisan anyway, so who cares supposedly about their affiliation? But then they advocate super heavily for there to be um, uh, that that name next the Republican or Democrat next to it because they know that people will tend to vote along party lines in the deep red state rather than vote for like a fair arbiter of the law, which they had been doing actually. And and state courts are remarkably like nonpartisan actually um, in states where there's not that designation. And even better than that is there's a thing called a merit selection process where uh, where uh, a supposedly nonpartisan panel will select uh, judges um, and it's not actually an election. But they're trying to kind of rig it so that these judges are elected and elected with the, the R next to their name. So it's, there's like many ways that they're going about kind of trying to dominate these state courts. Right. So the one we saw, you know, that's been that's been here, it's been with us for kind of like a decade or so was when we started finding out they're funding through organizations like ALEC, for example, they were funding model legislation that was going to state legislators and then state legislators were introducing it. That was kind of like almost like there's the traditional model, right, going after legislation in the states. And you talk about in here, too, as well, about how, you know, uh, right back in 2009, you had the kind of, you know, um, the, the redistricting project by the by the Republicans who said, OK, we need to get control of uh, the kind of gerrymandering process, the redistricting process, so that we can set us up for that for that next go round. And that's already done. That's like old school at this point, right? Yeah, exactly. So that started in 2010. I don't know if it's a coincidence that that's the same year Citizens United got passed, but um, <laughs> that, um, I don't think anything is a coincidence ever again anymore. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they they yeah, and since then, since their redistricting project, they've helped to flip a thousand legislative seats to the right um, in state legislator legislatures. Um, and yeah, they, so, so this is going on at the same time, if we want to talk about this in terms of abortion, um, at the same time as these, uh, you know, think tanks in, in quotes, um, and, and sort of advocacy action arms in quotes are, uh, creating model bills, like you mentioned. So, um, ALEC does model bills and actually there's an ALEC meeting coming up, the American Legislative Exchange Council, and they, what is surprise, are going to talk about abortion there. So there's a possibility there of maybe creating some model bills or at least talking to legislators there uh, about that. But uh, what we do know, there, there are three organizations that are really pushing the um, abortion restrictions and abortion bans at the state level. And that's um, Students for Life that you mentioned, um, where Leo sat on their board. Um, 
SBA Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life, which used to be Susan B. Anthony List. And that has received, you know, uh, tons of money. I'm not sure exactly how much, but tons of money from the Judicial Crisis Network, Leo's Judicial Crisis Network slash uh, Concord Fund and the 85 Fund, which is also in the Leo Network. Um, And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom is a really interesting one because we don't, there's no obvious Leo connections, but Alliance Defending Freedom is the group that sort of underwrote the bill in Mississippi that eventually reached the Supreme Court uh, and, uh, you know, Dobbs v. Jackson and overturned Roe. Um, and they, their fellow is uh, Aaron Hawley, who is Josh Hawley's wife. This blew but, my mind. Yeah, Josh Hawley's wife. But also she's a fellow at the Indi- quote unquote Independent Women's Law Center, which is uh, the legal center of IW Independent Women's uh, Forum that gets has gotten six plus million dollars from the Leonard Leo, I believe that number is right, um, since 2014. And, and you know, Aaron Hawley has gotten $617,000, I believe, uh, has, has gotten paid that much money from them. At the same time as they're, you know, they say they don't take a stance on abortion, but like, that is a dubious claim. And we've, we've shown that pretty heavily. So that, that, that was one of these things I got to, I had to read that a couple times. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Aaron Hawley is Senator Josh Hawley's wife, the dude with the fist in the air to the insurrectionist and then the kind of run like a scared little bunny through the hallways afterwards as the mob's coming to get you. Yes, a runaway Hawley, as Emily just said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to see the depth in which that these folks are connected, right, and that Aaron Hawley has been, you know, has, you know, she's been a senior appellate counsel. Right. And basically one who's been pushing hard for the kind of like the criminalization of abortion. Did I get that right? Uh, I don't know about criminalization of abortion, but definitely for, um, you know, she's written heavily against state constitutions that have um, that have abortion protections. She's written about, you know, the overturn of Roe. We actually are going to publish tomorrow um, a, a, a literal play by play of Aaron Hawley's thing and how Samuel Alito just basically like copy, you know, or there's a, let's just say there's overlap of the arguments, all the arguments in the Alito decision to overturn Roe uh, with Aaron Hawley's rhetoric that she's been spewing for a year and a half at least. So this is like Alyssa being the managing editor and being careful about what claims we can make here. But I will say, come on, of course, <laughs> right? If they were in direct, direct kind of like sitting down together, working out the language. I mean, these people, you know, that's crazy. Anyways. Um, and, and also like, you know, Josh Hawley just introduced a bill that would funnel federal money to uh, these outrageous um, pregnancy crisis centers, the right wing, like Christian right centers that scare women into not people into not getting abortions. And, um, and she then she goes on like, CBN, I think is like this right wing Christian, right, Christian broadcasting network. Yeah, yeah. And is promoting this bill too. it's just really gross. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Well, I'll be looking for that tomorrow. Um, I'll be refresh, refresh, refresh um, all day long. So so let me ask you this then. So, okay, so you've got these organizations that are in place. So it's one of the things that, 
you know, uh, like Rebecca Traster, for example, just sticks out in my mind as she's been someone who's been consistently saying, look, they're coming for Roe v. Wade. They've got everything in place to come after um, kind of abortion and not just abortion, but right, you know, they're going to come after contraception. They're going to come after all sorts of reproductive health. They're going to come after, you know, um, kind of equal rights, a right to, you know, same-sex partnership, same-sex marriage, uh, all this kind of stuff. And Rebecca Traster, remember saying like, look, for all this time, you all said that we were kind of um, going too far, that we were kind of being too extreme, that we were over, you know, blowing this out of proportion, we're being hyperbolic. Now, here we go. This is what we've been saying for years. And right now, I don't think it's, we just saw in Pennsylvania, for example, they passed literally like the last order of business and kind of under the cover of night, um, they kind of, they, they began the process of introducing the uh, constitutional amendment um, to make abortion illegal in Pennsylvania. Um, that's got to go through kind of, you know, a couple sessions before it can actually be introduced. But w we should not be surprised, right, that we're going to see pushes at the legislative level to criminalize abortion or to make it illegal. These, um, we're going to see attempts, strong pushes from what I got in your articles to um, push for Supreme Court justices, right, that are going to um, um, support the overturning of abortion rights. And then finally, that we'll also see this this push into attorneys generals to make sure those those people who are going to be enforcing right the law um, are going to be anti-abortion too as well. So how do you, what are some of those pushes or are there, are there particular, say, legislation or particular patterns that people should be watching out for or expecting um, come, you know, into the lead up to the midterms and, and beyond? I don't know if I'm saying that exactly very well. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's no holds bar at this point. They, mm -hmm. They got their row, but that, I, I mean, I it really is just the beginning. I feel like I keep saying that, but this was, a lot of people think that this was their ultimate goal. And I think it was just the first, it was sort of a test run to see what they could do. And they've done that. And now they're, um, you know, there's 32 or 33 states holding uh, state Supreme Court elections this year. Um, that's 86 out of 344 total seats. Um, and um, it, it's terrifying, you know, there's there's elections happening uh, that are, you know, like I said, I, I think the state courts are the last sort of protection uh, of democracy. And there, there are many four, three Democratic uh, state courts that are up for election in 2022, like Illinois, for example, and Kansas. Um, and in Kansas, Kansas is particularly creepy, yeah. I think, um, because they have um, this sort of the best case scenario for a Supreme Court, which is the merit selection process. And they have this group called Value Them Both, which is uh, a, a right wing Christian coalition that raised four point six million dollars. It's led by Kansas Family Voice. It's got other members like Focus on the Family, which is a right wing hate group. Um, and just, and students for life is canvassing for them. Like it's, it's just gonna, it, it's just sort of a, and they've themselves, I, I can't remember which group, maybe it was, I think it was value them both itself that said that, um, this is like the first test of this effort to kind of take over the state courts, um, and so to, to like fix it for abortion. That's heavy. I mean, that's uh, I mean, especially if you're saying like that, that's our last that's what's been 
the last bulwark. I mean, like, again, I say, like, here in Pennsylvania, we've had uh, a Democratic governor who has vetoed um, bill after bill, anti-abortion legislation, um, bill after bill after bill, and that's been it, right? Um, That's been held it out, and we've got a Supreme Court that has been relatively... um, good, right, especially since the last kind of elections when we have um, a Democratic, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, leaning majority on the Supreme Court. Um, but to know that, you know, uh, that's going to become, unless this is pushed back, unless these efforts are pushed back um, kind of on the ground in the states, then we could see the majority of states actually um, kind of fall to um, this, you know, anti-abortion future, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're focused on abortion, but it has huge implications, obviously, for even our 2024 elections. And, you know, because, for example, Pennsylvania was a holdout, you know, they it was the election results were challenged there and um, the state Supreme Court was great and and didn't allow that to happen. But um, we don't know what will happen if, you know, because Pennsylvania has I was looking at this um, before I was on has an election in 20 in fall of 2023 for the state's Supreme Court. Um, there's yep. one Republican, one Democrat up for retention, meaning you can either vote yes or no, and you have to get, I think, 60% yes or something like that. Yep. Um, and uh, last fall was sort of a test run for Republican State Leadership Committee, RSLC, and they spent um, $1.6 million to get a, a right-wing candidate elected. Um, and so, you know, we and I'm sure we'll see this again, their sort of MO of, of spending really last minute to get to get their right wing candidate elected and possibly oppose the Democratic candidate. So um, I guess you have that to look forward to, uh, but you have time to push back. Right. And I think that, you know, again, the fact that is it's an off off year election, right, where that it's, uh, um, you know, where we're going to see. Tiranaro is not generally good, which, of course, is why exactly they're, you know, gearing it up for that period of time. So they know, okay, you're not going to get lower voter turnout. So if they start working, you know, working the phones, as it were, now, um, by the time we keep this going. This is one of the things I've said, and I may have even said this last time you were on, too, is when I look at what's going on in the school board elections um, um, and what's happening in our school boards, we have these kind of really extremist takeovers of these school boards and all this cultural politics up on the school boards. In my mind, it's like, yes, of course, it is about those issues that they're coming for, but it is the money is about keeping those votes activated and ready for the next two, three elections kind of coming down the road, it seems to me. I mean, I, I, you know, at one point I would have kind of like stopped myself on those sentences because I thought I would think it was like sound too conspiratorial. Um, but this is what's actually been playing out right in state by state. And, you know, you document in these pieces what's happening in North Carolina, what's happening in Montana, in addition to stuff that's happening kind of in Kansas is following mm-hmm. exactly that kind of playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the I'm glad you mentioned the school board elections and stuff, because that is definitely part of their strategy is to mobilize people who haven't been mobilized before. And they're, you know, funneling tons of some of the same groups like um, students. No, sorry. Alliance Defending Freedom uh, has gotten money from Betsy DeVos, for example. Betsy DeVos just spoke at Moms for Liberty Summit two weekends ago. Um, Probably, I would guess, funds them partially. Um, uh, Their PAC is their Moms for Liberty PAC in Florida was funded, you know, $50,000 out of or yeah, fifty thousand dollars out of fifty thousand six hundred dollars was uh, given by um, the far right Publix heiress who helped fund the January sixth insurrection. Um, 
So, I mean, all these things are... I don't mean to be laughing, but holy shit, you know? Yeah. All these things are related, like you said, like they're, they want people to show up to these small elections because they are mobilize them, like really get them agitated uh, to, to show up for, you know, down bucket or um, down ballot initiatives like or or small term or smaller like positions like school board or um, whatever so that they can they can get their right wing folks um, also on the up ballot. Who? That is a lot. Um, that is a lot. So I think it's then it's it's fair to say that anybody who's questioning that, you know, OK, maybe there's going to be a turn of goodwill um, should just kind of set those uh, delusions aside, as it were, um, that we're really going to be in in it for we're going to be in for fights for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, we have a, we have some fighting to do, I would say. Yeah. But I you know, I don't think. Like, like I ended our truth, we ended our truth out article in a positive note, because I have seen people mobilized who I have never seen mobilized before and really angry and ready to fight back. And I think um, it's, it's unfortunate that it took this to do it and that it's on, we're sort of on a seeming downside with this. But, but I, I, I do think people are mobilizing. And um, I just want to really celebrate to your, uh, your local pack. I think, that's amazing because as I've told you, you know, I've seen at the local level, like some of these right-wing initiatives and right-wing packs uh, designed to, to kind of create a coup on school boards. And it's, and there's no centralized effort. Like we don't have a Leonard Leo right? as much as the right-wing tries to project and say that we, you know, there's left-wing dark money, whatever, like that, that it's just not in the same playing field. And it's really up to local people to, to do their part. To oppose this well you know and i have and I, one of the things i think is also critical and I, you know i've seen the organizing that's happening you know kind of around me but also kind of state by state is that you know i, I as much as the school boards the school what happened in the school boards has mobilized the right wing i also think it's kind of been a wake-up call for you know for people who may not just spend a whole lot of time thinking about politics right or even people who are you know they they do their duty they vote they kind of get involved but not to understand how the, the extremists are here in our in our in our backyard right mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're willing to kind of sacrifice our kids education right um and for their own kind of ideological agenda and that's brought a lot of people out to do things that they you know they haven't done before like they may have voted before but they weren't out knocking doors and like i've got i probably six messages just today probably in the last three hours before when we came on tonight about people who are going out and canvassing for candidates tonight and i think it's critical and then on the other side is also saying like because we don't have that centralized arm, like you have the Leonard Leo coming out, that it's, you know, I mean, at least one of the hopes of a lot of us are to say, okay, we need to actually show the Democrats, right, um, that organizing pays off, that, you know, the the, the model of, you know, flying in consultants at the last minute, um, kind of from out of state, from out of county, for all this stuff to try to give their messaging war, that's just not where it's at. And so we've got to be able to convince them that they need to shift the resources um, to organizing on the ground. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, so c- can I ask you just one quick thing? And I know, I know kind of we're going long here. So, but let me just ask you this. So 
what's one of the things that surprised me about that first piece you had out was stuff about the attorneys general, right? Um, the attorneys general was something that's not exactly necessarily on a lot of people's um, radar in some ways, right? Um, but can you just talk about that just briefly about where the attorneys general and why that is important to that right wing agenda when it comes to abortion? Yeah. Um, so we didn't, yeah, we focused a little less on that, but um, attorneys general are the highest law enforcement officers at the state level. So they'd have a lot of latitude in figuring out how state abortion bills are interpreted or, and whether or not they're enforced. So they get to decide if, um, let's think of an example, um, if the state abortion bills, uh, for example, uh, apply to someone who goes out of state or something like that's just an example. Um, and so, so it's really important, actually, in terms of like how um, the bans, even if they they are successful, uh, are implemented. Um, and so, yeah, there's a there are some attorney general races that seem pretty important. Like I mentioned, uh, we mentioned Wisconsin in our article um, because there's a Democratic uh, attorney general there who has refused to. Uh, it, to enforce the very archaic bill, I think it was in the 1850s that it was passed, um, and and has gotten a lot of flack for it. And like, there's been right wing attacks and and like already funds coming in to try to um, to uh, put install a right wing uh, alternative. So yeah, that's that's the attorneys general story. Yeah, no, a good because I just think at every single level to be paying attention now. Um, before we go, one obviously this is you know we talked a little about this before the show, but um, uh, Anna just kind of uh, got in on chat, basically asked the question, right? <laughs> Where do we go from here, <laughs> right? Um, is is that big question? It's like if you're thinking about people moving forward, how would you begin to answer that? Where do we go from here? And I know that's the that's the million dollar question, and it's not just a there's you know there's no unicorn, right? There's no person riding in on a white horse, right? Um, but how do you look at that question? Yeah, uh, it's it's a hard question, but um, I think we talked a little bit about it, like organizing in your own community, um, you know, knocking doors. But um, even I and, and there's room for people doing this on social media, too. I don't think it has to be physical at this point. Um, but uh, do, I also think doing your own digging like I do this for a living and I, I love that I get paid for it, but also <laughs> I've, I've had your amazing listeners too, like write to me and be like, follow this thread or whatever. And that's super useful. Like you can do your own digging. You can email me and tell me what you found if it's something important. Um, I would say also we talked about how important it is to uh, just be knowledgeable about what's going on and um, following some of the investigative outlets uh, that are doing the work to uncover, uncover the money behind all of the, this is important. So you follow us <laughs> at True North Research. Um, it's uh, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter. You know our website, um, our Substack. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, there's also Judd Legum has um, popular info Substack that's amazing and mostly free. Um, you can subscribe to it if you want to. Uh, Documented is an amazing investigative outlet that does similar work and um, a lot to do a lot on the environment as well. And then Center for Media Democracy is also really great. So I think all those are, are really excellent uh, resources for people to just like get informed. Um, also pushing for public disclosure laws, stronger public disclosure laws. I mentioned there's um, a, a bill 
uh, by Senator Whitehouse that's coming out called the Disclosure Act. So that could go a long way, at le- or you know, a step at least in the right direction. Um, and then I, I think if you have the capacity to start your own pack, I, I'm really like so impressed by you. Um, and because there's not, I have, you're the only pack that I've seen like countering the right wing alternatives and they have such deep pockets. It's, it's such a hard effort, but, um, I think that you're going, you're doing, you're doing the hard work and, and everyone should, should try to do that too. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it's like it's it's a it's just the it's you know it's whatever that that punk rock ethos of you know okay you're just going to DIY it and kind of see what happens. I mean, I and I we don't have the like you said before, you know, our communities, you know, folks that are kind of wanting to kind of defend uh, kind of abortion rights, want to make sure that same sex marriage stays in place, want to kind of not criminalize kind of like uh, uh, like uh, biracial couples, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is I mean as crazy as that sounds. Um, we've already seen this, right? We, there, there was, I, I forget where it was, but somebody started talking about wanting to introduce a bill. I mean, this is, incre- this is incredible. But to actually say, okay, we can do what we can, and hopefully that we're going to have, you know, a little bit of a disproportionate impact on the local level. So um, we'll, we'll do what we can for sure. Um, all those organizations that Alyssa just mentioned, I will be sure to put those in the show notes um, that make sure to follow them. Definitely, um, you know, um, check her out on Twitter. Um, I don't have your, your Twitter. What was your Twitter handle right off the bat? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't have it right Ann up. Bowen. There you go. Um, you'll, I mean, anybody who saw like the stuff on Twitter is uh, we kind of tagged her like a thousand times over because mm-hmm. uh, you should definitely be following her. Um, definitely check out um, True North Research. Um, you can follow True North. Oh, of course, I messed it all up here. Uh, go to truenorthresearch.org. Um, that's where you're going to find that. I have links to all their kind of social media and their accounts there. Um, really fantastic. Um, definitely check out our articles on Truth Out. Um, everything that we talked about here, you're going to get much more in depth by do going over and kind of checking out those articles and sharing those articles. Um, um, and keep up the absolutely fantastic work that everybody is doing on the ground. I'm just like Alyssa said, I mean, it's the organizing. And I really think that, you know, people are minds are in the right, uh, right direction. Um, well, Alyssa, I like I, I just I treasure your work and I treasure the work that you're doing at True North Research and the stuff that you're putting out at, True, uh, at uh, Truth Out. Uh, thank you so much for uh, kind of coming back on the show and uh, kind of reintroducing all this stuff back to our community, especially in the, uh, the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was so, so such a pleasure to be on. Oh, God. Well, I'll be bugging you again. You can be sure. And I'm, you're probably getting messages from me, too. Like, oh, did you see this? Did you check this out? Just like last <laughs> time. So here we go. I love it. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for being Benny. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, um, Amy. And thank you, everybody else who tuned in tonight. Um, thank you, everybody in the chat. Um, we will continue this conversation throughout the week on Discord. We will also kind of make sure that uh, all those links will be in tonight's show notes. Uh, thank you, Alyssa, for coming on here. And uh, have a great week and keep up the fight. All right. This is uh, Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you, we'll be back here Wednesday with Cyril Michalakos for the Wednesday show and Friday back with Amy Connect for the Friday Politics Roundup. Take it easy, everybody. See ya! See ya!